Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, everybody, every single Sunday that we've gathered at home in this new online format, I found myself saying, I really miss being with people. I miss the moments we get to share together. It's special being online, but I miss being in the room together. And today, uh, not only is it not an exception, it really feels accentuated today. We miss you. And uh, we're looking forward to the day that we can be together. There's something so incredible about being together. And I think the Easter message, the story of Easter, what makes Good Friday good and what makes this day, Easter Sunday, the resurrection good is that God went to the full extent to make sure that we understood that there is nothing that separates us from his love. See, the message of the gospel is this, that God wants relationship with humanity. He wants relationship with his people. And so he was willing to do it all so that we could be in relationship with him. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn, if you could, to the book of Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, though this is not the the direct narrative of what took place on the cross, I I want it to kind of act as a a framework for what we want to look at today as we we focus on the Easter story. Look what it says, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 28. And we know that in all things, even where you are, could you just just really highlight that word all? You're going to hear the word all coming up over and over and over In this one passage of scripture, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called and those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. There's that word all again. Do you know that the gift of Jesus on the cross was a gift not only to the elite, not only to the people with a perfect track record. In fact, it was a gift for all of us. The Bible says this, if he was willing to give Jesus for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Do you know Easter is a promise not only of what Jesus did, but the fact that God is still on your side? If he was willing to give his son Jesus, why would we ever assume that God has a a limit to the grace that he would show us? Why would we ever assume that he has a limit to the kindness he would show us? He, He sent Jesus. He says this, Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, check this out. It says, no, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray as we begin to to focus on Easter today. Father, we thank you for the love of God that we see in the person of Christ Jesus. I thank you for the statement that you have made for all ages, that you are not holding back your love, that you are not withholding of your goodness. And if you gave Jesus, how will you also, not along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? And so today we say in belief that there truly is nothing that separates us from your love. There is no barrier. And I ask for every person watching this today that we would step into and receive from the fullness of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we are in a series of messages called Tell the World. Well, what are we going to tell the world? What's the message we're bringing to the world? I'm telling you, the message is plain and simple. What this passage of Romans says, that there's nothing that separates us from the love of God. Easter is a declaration of God's love. The, 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 The birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, his death, and his resurrection have all been pointing to this fact. God loves you. God loves me. His love for us has no bounds. His love for us has no end. And he went to the full extent to show us what that love looks like. You know, on Resurrection Sunday, it would be crazy for us to talk only about Jesus rising from the dead and and not about the fact that he died. It would be illogical on Good Friday to only talk about the death of Jesus and not also include his resurrection because because the miracle is not only that Jesus would die. His death, it took the place for our sin, but it's his resurrection that is a reminder to you and I that God isn't mad at us. It's this reminder from God, you're good. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, we're in good standing. Because of the work of Jesus, we we just read it here in Romans 8, Jesus, who's now sitting on the right hand of the Father, he's saying, yeah, they're with me, they're good. That's the message of Easter. It's the greatest message that could ever be looked at. And so today, as I talk about Jesus being alive, because what? He's risen. He's risen indeed. That's the part you were supposed to say. Like, Like that message right there of Jesus being alive is so exciting based on his willingness to be sacrificed. You see, if Jesus had only died and never resurrected, for all eternity, we would be sitting and feeling bad. I did this to God. I can't believe I did this to Jesus. I can't believe that it was my sin that put him there. But when he rose again, he came with life to remind the disciples and to remind you and I, by extension, that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us. Today, let me focus really quickly on what took place on the cross, the significance of it. And like I said, we, we would never divide Friday from Sunday or Sunday from Friday. Earlier this week, I was talking to Sam Massey, our creative director at Vivid, and he was reminiscing about a story on a Good Friday when someone was frustrated that all of the good Good Friday songs, they give a hint to what's coming on Sunday. And this person in frustration was saying, why can't there just be songs about what happened on Friday? Well, here's why, folks. What happened on Friday wasn't yet the good news. It was only a piece of it. Jesus came not only to live for us, 
but to die for us and then to conquer death for us. It's like if you're a Marvel fan, it's not just the Infinity War. It's got to be the end game as well before that becomes really good news. It's the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that he is alive that causes us to celebrate. But on the cross that Friday, Jesus was put through excruciating pain. In fact, the word cross, it comes from the Latin word excrucis, which means to be excruciated. Jesus in excruciation was beaten and he was stripped and he was mocked and he was jeered and his beard was pulled out and he was beaten with rods and Jesus upon the cross received nails in his hands and a nail in his feet and the, the actual cause of death for those who died on a cross which was reserved only for the worst of criminals. The cause of death was eventual suffocation. See, as, as nail, it were, nails were imprinted in their hands and a nail in their feet, the, they were down in, a, in a, a state where their arms would dislocate and their lungs would be pulled in such a way that no oxygen could, uh, could enter and the carbon dioxide couldn't exit. And for Jesus on the cross, for him to actually work up any words to speak, he would actually have had to stand up upon the nail that was pierced through his feet in order to get just a little gasp of breath, to let out that carbon dioxide and to bring in a little bit of oxygen. The, the pain at some point would have been so great that the person on the cross would finally just give in to it and would, would suffocate. The fact that Jesus took a moment upon the cross to speak words is so profound. The fact that he would, from the cross, endure a little bit of extra pain to step up on those nails and to make a statement of what he had to say is truly worth listening to. And from the cross, through that excruciating pain, Jesus made some statements that will forever ring in my ears, forever make a statement to our heart. First of all, Jesus stood up upon that nail and, and gasping for air, he said this, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Do you know that message was for you? That message is for me? That regardless of, of where our life decisions have taken us and the sins we have committed, Jesus' forgiveness is not based on our effort. His forgiveness is not linked to how sincere we've been or how hard we've tried or how we've known better. He simply said, Father, forgive them. The, the, the forgiveness I want to extend to the people who are hurting me right now, to those who have sinned against me and against you, that, that forgiveness is extended not based on their knowledge or their ignorance. It's not, not based on their effort or their lack thereof. It's based on the love that I have for them. Father, forgive them. And then he, he pushed up on his, his feet again and gasping for more air, he spoke to the, the prisoner beside him, who was also in the same situation, also in this excruciating pain and and these two criminals beside him, one was jeering him and, and one said to the other, stop talking to this man this way. He clearly didn't do anything wrong. We deserve this. He doesn't. And he says to, to Jesus, hey, Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus gets up on that nail speaking to a hardened criminal, a lifelong hardened criminal who was on his death penalty. He was living out his death penalty. And Jesus, he stood up on his nail and he made a statement to this man today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, what's the statement that he's making to you and I? He's saying like, like sin, that doesn't separate. I forgive sin. And, and time, time does not separate. The amount of time that you've spent committed to doing the wrong things, it doesn't matter if it was one sin in the moment. It doesn't matter if it's a lifelong of sin. 
I can in a moment forgive, and today you will experience paradise with me. Jesus is making this statement on the cross that, that we can live with him. And then he says this, getting up on his, his feet again and, and pushing through that nail, pushing through the pain. He says to his friend John and to his mother, who's at the, the base of his cross, experiencing with him the pain that he was going through. And he says to his friend John, John, here's your mother. And mom, here's your son. I mean, how compassionate is Jesus as he's walking through the, the, the worst possible pain a human can endure, and he's still making responsible decisions that affect people. He's still making loving, caring decisions for the people that he loves. You know, sometimes I think we assume because it's our sin that caused Jesus to go to the cross. It's our brokenness, our depravity that that somehow Jesus has always kind of been a little bit mad at us. And we could never ask him for more than the, the sacrifice of the cross because he's already done it all. When in reality, Jesus, while enduring pain, was still considering others. So convicting for me. Sometimes when I'm going through my own personal pain, I have a hard time considering the pain of others. And here's Jesus, my example, doing the opposite. And then he stood up on that nail again and he, he made the statement, I'm thirsty. In that moment, I'm reminded Jesus, though he is fully God, was also fully man. Jesus, though he, he was filled with all the grace and all the power of God, he still had the limitations of being fully human. And in a moment of just real humanity, he said, I thirst. I thirst. And immediately, I'm reminded how much pain he was enduring. It's easy to think of the cross and say, well, he did it because he was God. Only God could be able to. But, but Jesus being fully man, endured that pain so you and I could have relationship with the Father. And then again, he stood up and he said in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think of that, that the pain Jesus was enduring physically was nothing compared to the separation that he was experiencing with the Father. He actually willingly endured more pain, stepping up on that nail to shout out about the real true pain of what it feels like to be separated with the Father. And Jesus was experiencing what it feels like for those who are distant from God to have no connection to their creator, no connection to the source of life. And he was experiencing that divide that sin created and the pain that came with it. But with the very next breath, he said, Now, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I'm reminded again, Jesus, through his pain, speaking these words that, that he wasn't killed. He gave his life. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't, you know, dragged into death. He willingly made the choice. God, I am committing just as I've committed my whole life. Now I also commit my death. My, I put my, hand, my life in your hands. And then lastly, the last thing that he's quoted is saying on the cross is, it is finished. And often when, when you see renditions or depictions of this, this passion story, it's like that moment Jesus in a loud, dramatic voice shouts out, It is finished! and slumps. But when I think of Jesus making this statement, I, I really see a different tone of voice, a different facial expression. I feel like he was looking at the Father and saying, I did it, Dad. I did everything that you asked for me to do. I've lived my purpose 
to the full and I, I fought the good fight and I've made it to the end and it is finished. And when Jesus said it was finished, not only was he saying his purpose in taking on the sin of, of humanity had finished, but he was also saying that our struggle with sin, our slavery to sin was finished. He was saying that our separation with God, with God was finished. He was saying that our need to live in fear is finished. He was speaking to our own curse and saying, it's finished. You see, Resurrection Sunday is so significant because of the sacrifice made on Good Friday. And Good Friday is only good because it didn't end there. But that day, when Jesus said it is finished, and they removed his body from the cross and they took him to a tomb, that day, Night fell, and that day they all went to bed feeling like, what just happened? That day, the, the friends of Jesus and those who are, uh, are spoken of in Scripture, people like Mary and, and the other Mary and Salome, they, those people, they went to bed that night feeling like, where's God now? And Peter, oh man, Peter. Peter living with the regret of the mistakes he had made in denying Christ. And John now living with this new responsibility of helping Jesus' grieving mother. And all the disciples saying, what just happened? Like, like how, did, how was it that a week ago we were entering the city and they were saying, Hosanna. And, and today they were saying, crucify him. And now he's gone. And the next day they entered into their Sabbath, a day intended for rest. And, and really they were just living in what must have felt like an eternity. And I wonder for, for some today, if you're living in that long, what now type of existence. Well, Jesus already died for you. Jesus already made a way for you. Jesus already did everything so that you could live in full relationship with God, but you're living in the what now. On the Sunday they woke up. If you have your Bible with, with you, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 28, if you would. The very end of the book of Matthew, Jesus having made all those statements about, about uh, you and I, made all those statements like, it is finished, and Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. All these statements about bringing closeness to humanity. That day, uh, they woke up and they wanted to go be with him. Matthew chapter 28, I want you to, to see this. I want to just draw out two really quick points about what took place on that day. Verse, verse uh, 1, it says this, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven, going into the tomb, had rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were there were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said he would. Now come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb. I want you to catch this phrase, what it says. Afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Afraid, yet filled with joy. Afraid, but filled with joy. Jesus was happy that they were full of joy, but not okay with the afraid part. Jesus 
wanted them to feel the joy of knowing he had risen, but was not comfortable with the afraid part, so much so that Jesus then met them. What? Okay, the angel sent them away and put them on a mission and said, I want you to go do something. And they went to do that thing with joy and fear. And Jesus said, okay, change of plans. Change of plans. I don't want today to be a day mixed with fear. I want to set them free from their fear. And says, suddenly... He appeared to them and he said, greetings. They came to him, they clasped his feet, they worshiped him. And Jesus said, what's the message? Do not be afraid. Now go tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. Did you catch that? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The message of Easter is not only that our sin no longer separates us from God. It's, it's, it's not just that, that our flaws and our faults are no longer a separation between us and God. It's actually this. That fear has no place separating us from the purpose that God has for our life. And what's the purpose? That you and I would go and tell others. That you and I would take the message of Jesus' life and the message of his resurrection and tell the world. Today you might hear that and you say, I'm happy that Jesus has forgiven me. I'm happy that there's life in God, but I'm afraid of what it would look like to live in his purpose. And Jesus says, as much as I want you to do the thing I've called you to, I also want to set you free from fear so that you can do it with boldness. Now, what happened that day? Look, look just in, in Mark's version. I could probably talk for a couple hours today because this stuff gets me fired up, but I want to bring it to a conclusion. Look at Mark chapter 16. It says this, when the Sabbath was over, this is the same story, by the way, just a different perspective. Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spice so that they might go anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Isn't that interesting? They were on their way to see Jesus and they realized that there was still something separating them from him and they didn't know what the answer would be. This huge stone that would be impossible for them to move. They still had this passion to get close to Jesus, not even knowing how the stone would be rolled away. And I wonder today if you're watching this and you say, man, it sounds good that God loves me. It sounds good that he'd be for me. I guess that's an exciting thing that, that he would have good news, that the cross is a good thing. It's finished and I'm forgiven. And, and he was willing to take God forsaking him so I don't have to be forsaken. But, but then there's still sin in the way. Like I've still failed and I'm still broken. And who's going to roll away that stone? Well, here's the answer. Jesus. Jesus will roll away the stone. The power of heaven has already rolled away the stone. There is nothing separating you from the love of God. If you have a desire within your heart right now to be in relationship with God, guess what? Not only did Jesus make a way, but he also rolled away the stone. Today, I want you to be reminded, don't live in fear. Today, I want you to be reminded there is no stone covering the grave. You can find Jesus. He's no longer there, but he's actually on a mission, a mission that he's calling us to as well, to take the love of God to the world. You say, oh, that sounds scary. Guess what? Jesus is so passionate about us living in this mission that he actually wants us to do it without any fear. I remember a song that we used to sing when I was growing up in church, and just this really simple refrain, and, and often, like often, often, I think of the words of this song. It's just simply this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. 
because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth living because Jesus lives. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.